Welcome back to Fight Capital, where we step into the ring of combat sports business. I'm your host, Ryan Rappaport. Today, I'm lucky to be joined by Brandon Gallagher, who's a strength and conditioning coach and the owner of BG Performance. He's renowned for his expertise in preparing top-tier MMA athletes, and his background includes working with UFC champions and a wide array of athletes. As he brings a holistic approach, incorporating elements like nutrition, psychology, and recovery, Brandon's journey from overcoming his own personal health challenges to becoming a key figure in MMA training has helped inspire both athletes and fellow coaches alike. Thanks for being here today, Brandon. How are you and where are you joining from? Uh, thank you for having me, first off. And uh, right now I'm in New York and just hanging out with the family, ending the holidays, uh, but just just relaxing right now, catching up on some things. Well, as we were talking about before, and I know that's home for you, but you know, I've read a little bit about your personal journey with weight and fitness, and I know that was a significant motivator for you and where you ended up in your career. How has your personal experience shaped your approach to training MMA athletes? So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that my personal experience has affected that, but my personal experience obviously got me into doing this. And like, that's where I found the passion and desire to, to explore this as deep as I have. When I was, when I was 18, I graduated high school, 2013. And from that point on, long story short, I ended up really kind of taking the, the fitness stuff serious. You know, I, I was in a spot where I wasn't really taking care of myself. I wasn't loving myself the way I should. I wasn't doing the things that I needed to. And, and when I, when I started this journey, uh, I really just made a commitment to myself because I knew basically all my friends were leaving. They were going to big colleges and I was staying home. I wasn't sure what I was, I was going to do. And from that point, I, 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 I knew if I wanted to reach the heights that I desired, you know, even some of the stuff that I'm doing now, but in general, one of the things that I like to do in the future, I needed to take care of my health first. And I wasn't a healthy person. I was overweight, wasn't sleeping well, I was eating terrible. Uh, and sorry if I end up swearing on some of this stuff, but I don't know how swearing yeah, you're all good. <laughs> but uh, no yeah, so like I, I wasn't taking care of myself. I was eating like shit. And, and for me, the biggest thing I knew that I needed to take advantage of from that point was just taking care of myself. So August 5th, 25th, I believe was the day I started. Uh, that's when we started school. I, I worked my ass off for like six months. Uh, I ended up losing 70 pounds in, in that six months. And from that point on, it was a perfect time because I was in college, didn't know what I was going to do. I was actually thinking about dropping out of college at one point while I was like in this weight loss journey. But once I, I, I kind of got to that end point where I lost the 70 pounds, it was a perfect point because I was in school and I was able to transition because once I lost the 70 pounds, I, I really took a step back and I was like, I, I think I want to do this full time. Like, I think I want to be a trainer. I think I want to you know, explore this stuff and see where I can take it. And it was a perfect opportunity for me because I had just finished uh, the community college that I was going to, and I had just finished my associate, associate degree. And I was transitioning to my bachelor's at UAlbany, the university at Albany in New York. And I switched it over to human biology. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what I finished with. I got my bachelor's in human biology. And there was like two main things, right? It was the weight loss. And then I broke my foot my first summer of college, like a week before my birthday. I was actually just talking about this with my family uh, a couple of days ago, but I broke my foot and that was another big thing because that was after I had lost weight. So it was like, I lost the 70 pounds and then literally within probably 
two months later, I broke my foot. It was the first bone I ever broke, first like major injury, major surgery, anything that I had. So when I did that, it, it got me into the desire to to fix, rehab, learn. Like it got me into the spots that I wanted to to really start to learn about this stuff and progress it where where it is today. So those are the two main pieces early in my journey that actually got me to uh to to this point to say like okay i want to do this and then i found a way to to study and then be able to take it to the next level well that's a a crazy start to a a long journey where you've been training some of the top fighters like amanda nunez ian gary ariana lipsky what are some of the unique challenges and rewards that you face when you're working with athletes at that elite of a level yeah, so I, I you cut out just a little bit there, but I think the the question was uh what are the the unique challenges, right? Yeah, and the rewards. I mean, obviously yeah. <laughs> working with people at that level, uh there's a lot going on in their lives, but I'm curious to kind of hear both sides of it. Yeah, so I think so so I got I got lucky to to learn early on. So I I I opened my first gym in New York and I owned a gym here for 3 years in Albany where I'm from. And, you know, for me, that made everything else a lot easier because that, like when I first started, even just going back to the story I just told you, right. With the weight loss and and the foot injury and whatnot, like having my first gym was the, probably the best learning experience I ever had. Right. Because I I probably learned about 10 years of experience in, in three years. And if you've owned your own business or you, you know, someone who owns their own business, like, you know, the struggles and the, the rewards and the, and everything else that comes with it. But you know, that kind of that learning curve that comes with owning your own business. So for me, I always tell people, and, and this is one of the things that I, I think got me to this point was like, I had to treat everybody like they were Amanda or everybody like they were Ian or everybody like they were Ariani, whether they were or not, you know what I mean? And that doesn't, you know, obviously some of these people aren't elite level athletes. Some of these people aren't, you know, these types of individuals. But for me, it was so important for me to give my hundred percent early on to everybody who walked into the gym so that I never, I never had to second guess, you know, what was going all out. And, you know, for me, I I love what I do with, with the athletes and I'm going to get to that question. Sorry for kind of coming around it, but I love what I do with the athletes. But for, for me, it started with a lot of these general everyday people, you know what I mean? And the, the challenges, right. Physically are, are usually similar in a lot of ways. Like it's, it's injuries, it's basic general health guidelines. It's understanding that, you know, they're trying to be healthy and perform at their best, but obviously there's a lot more on the line, right? So those unique challenges, as opposed to helping someone who's working a nine to five, as opposed to, you know, fighting for Amanda, for example, the, the, featherweight belt or Ariani who's trying to get into the rankings or Ian who's trying to get in the rankings is obviously a little bit different for me. The challenges come in, in balancing that for them and, and showing them that there is a way that they can do everything and still enjoy it. Right. Cause fighters have this mentality. They have this mentality that if some is good, more is better, right? Like they have to be in pain. They have to be, you know, walking out of the gym being like, oh my God, I, I, everything hurts. And I think a lot of these people, you know, uh, I've, I've caught a lot of them early on, especially the ones that I'm, you know, that like Ian, for example, 
you know, I got, I've been working with them for two years. Ariane, I've been working with her for about a year and a half. Amanda, before she retired, I worked with her for about a year and a half, two years. And the people I worked with, you know, before that, including like Dustin, Christoph Jocko, like a list, laundry list of people was, was kind of showing them like, Hey, listen, you can be efficient in the gym and not kill yourself every single session. Right. And I think the unique challenges are that these guys are in a sport that is unlike any other, right. They're in a sport that is physical, mentally grueling, you know, is basically like year round. You have to be to a certain extent ready until you get to that level where you can kind of decide what you want to do when you want to do it. But, but those challenges are, are unlike any other sport. And I, I think in my opinion, training for MMA is the hardest sport to train for, right? Cause there's five to six modalities you have to train on a given, on a given week, right? Jiu-jitsu, wrestling, uh, kickboxing, boxing, MMA, and then just, you know, S and C, right? So if you take all those into account, that's, you know, even if you do one of those sessions per week, that's six sessions a week, which is a decent amount for an average human. Now you add doubles on top of that, sometimes even triple sessions. It, it's, it's, it's grueling, right? And then you want that person to enjoy their life, enjoy the process and do it for a long time. So doing it for a long time requires uh, an ability to take a step back and be like, all right, cool. We're here. This is what we need to work on, get really efficient and make sure that we're doing the things that we need to do. Right. And obviously the rewards are, are unique in itself, right? Like one of the things like being a part of Amanda's, you know, championship camp was unreal, right? Like that was a dream of mine to be in that. Like, obviously I'm not going to get that anywhere else. Right. And there's not many people in the world who are ever going to achieve that. So being a part of that twice is, is huge. Right. And that's a unique reward, a unique reward for even with Ian so far. And like Ian's going to be someone where we have a lot of these together. And like, I can't, I, I'm super excited for it because he has so much potential and he's going to, he's going to achieve all these goals, right? Like this year, he's going to win the belt this year. Like it's going to be a, one of those things where it's like with Ian, I've been working with him since his first fight in the UFC and getting him ranked was huge, right? Like we got, I don't know if you can see it, but we got our 15 tattoos right here oh, when nice. he got ranked, yeah, yeah. like it was something that we got together. Um, art getting Ariani into the top 15 for the first time in her career, like is, is amazing. Like helping her get there, obviously they're huge. Like those are unique rewards that you don't get in a lot of different places or sports, right? Because it's, like I said, it is so hard. It is so difficult. It is such a demanding sport that like, it's, it's the, the rewards you get from that are, are different in a lot of ways. And I've worked with other athletes, right? Not at this level, but like I've worked with other athletes and there's just, I don't know, there's just something that, that doesn't compare to like winning fight night and like walking out with a win and, and, and knowing after like three months of work, you're like, boom, we did it. Now let's go fucking do the next one. Yeah. And there's something to be said about the energy, uh, being at the UFC as well. I mean, there's nowhere else that when you walk in there, you just feel that energy in the arena. I mean, it's, uh, like nothing I've taken a couple friends this year, uh, to them. And every time we go to one, everyone's like, Holy shit. I had no idea. And I was like, yeah, man, it's a, it's on another level. Uh, it's, it's funny for me too. I, just, I had to take a step back the last couple of years. Um, I trained Muay Thai, but you know, I've been doing the, I've had a couple of knee surgeries, three knee surgeries on my left knee and been rehabbing it for essentially three years doing uh, knees over toes. I don't know if you're familiar with him at all. Yeah, but yeah, I was, uh, one of the things I had to like take a step back and it's hard to take that step back I mean, you can still get in the work. And, but like, I'm expecting that I need to be like, 
dying every time that I work out because that's just what I did for a number of years. So that's a super interesting insight. For yeah, me. and I think like the, the biggest thing that I see is that exactly where it's like people like yourself, right? You have that feeling of like, I'm not tired enough, right? Like, like my theory in coaching is minimum effective dose all the time. What is the least amount of work we can do and get the most amount of return? And if we can operate on that basis as a coach, like, like even, and, and I think it, it was most apparent with someone like Amanda, because when I first, uh, got in touch with Amanda and started working with her, she had lost to Juliana and, and she was dealing with knee injury. She was just like not feeling her best. She, she was, you know, not a hundred percent. And, and Amanda is someone, if she is on point, she's obviously the best to ever do it. So for me, it was a simple, it was a simple idea. It was just like, all right, well, she just needs to be healthy. She needs to be in shape and she's going to kill anybody that they put in front of her. So when I talked to her, I sat down and I was like, Hey, listen, like what was normal and normal for her was a lot and normal for her was, you know, like I explained, if, if she wasn't dead, it wasn't good. And for me, I had to take a step back and be like, Hey, listen, like some of the sessions in the beginning, they were a little easy. And she was like, Hey, this is a little bit, you know, and I was like, listen, trust me, like, trust this. And, and after the, that performance, I, I think she, she bought in. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing as a coach, no matter what is like, you know, cause I've had a lot of people, I've worked around a lot of coaches and I've worked around a lot of fighters and, and, and people are always kind of with what I do. They're like, eh, it's a little bit like, it seems easy. It seems whatever. And then they perform and they're like, oh, okay. And for me, obviously there's times to push it. There's times to go hundred percent. There's times to, you know, redline. Right. But, but that's so small, few and far between. And we want to make sure that when we have those opportunities to redline that we get the most out of it. So 80% of our training, we shouldn't even be close to redlining. We should be close to being in the gym as consistently as possible, being healthy and not having to second guess our body. Those are, those are the main things. And I think that when we talk about strength conditioning, there's a lot of egos that get involved with strength conditioning. And when people say a fighter like Amanda, for example, comes to me in a lot of people's heads. It's like, okay, I have to make her feel like I'm doing something. And it's like, okay, I got to make her feel this. I got to make her feel tired. That, that, for me, that's not the case. You know what I mean? For me, I always, first and foremost, is I make sure that they, when they feel, when they leave, they feel better than when they came in. Right. And second is like, if I have to change stuff, right. This, and this is my biggest, this is one of my biggest things that I think creates a lot of buy-in from the people that I work with and success. I'm one of the few places that you can, uh, you can change. I can regulate what happens from the minute that person walks through the door to the minute they leave outside of that. I can't do much, but when you go to jujitsu, when you go to Muay Thai, when you go to boxing, when you spar, you can relatively be like, oh, I'm going to take it easy today. We're just going to flow. Then someone wraps an arm around your neck. You're like, fuck this. Like I'm not doing that. And then you're going hundred. So like, I'm one of the few places that when they come in, they can know they're going to be taken care of They They can know that their best interest is being put forward. I don't have an ego with it. Like if I can't do everything that I wanted to do that day, that's fine. And that's why there's a hierarchy of training. It's like, let us do what's most important. Then if we can get to this, that's great. If we can get to the other stuff, even better. But for me, what do they need to do comes first. And then we just slowly trickle from there. But I think what happens is a lot of coaches, I wrote this, we got to do it. And it's like, Go ahead. Like you're not going to last long. You're not going to get a lot of success. And if you do, it, it's probably going to be one-off success. Um, and I think that with everything that I've 
done these last couple of years with like the amount of fighters I've been able to work with and use it on, it shows like continued success in that model. Oh yeah. I mean, Amanda, 100%, if you think about that loss and where, how she bounced back and how much different she looked, I mean, that just enough, right there just sings your praise as well. And one of the things I'd picked up as well, you, you seem to have this very comprehensive approach. Um, your programs aren't just, you know, the physical training, but the nutrition, the sleep, the psychological support. How do you integrate those elements and enhance that overall performance for the athletes? I think that I, I do as much as I can on that end. Obviously, you know, for me, I can recommend everything I can, but they have to take the initiative outside of that because I can't be there to make sure they're sleeping or be there to make sure they're eating a hundred percent. And that's why a big thing for me is education always, you know, like I want to teach them and help them so that they do understand. And this goes for both, you know, the, the, the athletes and my normal clients, you know, cause I try to train a lot of people who are just everyday people as well. And, and a lot of that comes down to <clears throat> education. It's like, all right, well, if I, I can tell you the perfect diet to eat, but if you don't know how to use a stove, well, what the fuck, what's the point? Right? And it's the same thing with an athlete. I can give you the perfect program, but if you're coming in, you're not sleeping, you're not eating, but you're, you're, you're mentally just putting yourself in a bad position. Nothing's going to work. Like I said, I could give you the best thing in the world and it's, it's just not going to work. And I think the biggest thing for, for athletes is understanding that the environment is number one always. And I try to express this early on. Like I always try to sit down with anybody that I work with or anybody who is interested in working with me. And, and I, I ask about their life, right? I'm not asking about their capabilities. I'm not asking about their skills. I'm asking about like, what's going on, right? Like how's home, how's training, how's life? Do you have kids? Things like that. Because those are what we would call ob uh, objections, like things that are going to get in the way of actually creating success within a program. So those things have to be addressed first. If not, the rest of it literally doesn't matter because if you need three hours a week of training and you can only do one, okay, well, like, how is that going to work? Oh, I don't know what I did there. Um, how is that going to work? And for me, if I only have an hour a week, then let's make it the best hour of the week. But how can we make this fit so we can get everything that we need to in? And it starts with what's going on up here, what's going on at home around you, and like, what skills do you possess to even be able to act upon what I'm suggesting, suggesting. Well, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're working with people, not just in MMA, but diverse ranges of ages and professions. And just between those MMA athletes, which you're having to tailor each one personally to, how do you kind of differentiate and tailor all those different strategies to each individual athlete or type of person you're working with? I think, I think the first thing obviously is like assessing. And I think this is a, a huge thing that people miss out on is like the actual initial assessment that you work with this individual hmm. and just having something comprehensive, like having something that covers your bases and also understanding what you're looking for. Like I have an assessment process that I go through with any person that comes in and we look at, you know, basically from a broader view to make it simple to explain here is like, I look at the shoulders, hips, and spine and make sure that those things are functioning the way that I'd hmm. like them to. Right. Uh, great. That's just, and these are the things with assessments, what's cool is like, if it's perfect, that's great. And if it's not, that's literally just telling us what we need to do. And then you take that and you write a program. So like when someone walks in, if they are having issues with their shoulder, it's like, all right, well, let's look at the four main functions of their shoulder when they walk in. And that might be a little too like deep for this uh, conversation, but either way, it's like, all right, let's look at internal, external rotation, flexion, extension. And if one of those things is off, it's like, cool. Now our program starts centered around that. So it's like, 
the warm-up gets centered around that. The actual exercises themselves get tailored around that. And then on top of that, you know, once you get that part out of the way, like to me, that's the easy part. Like that's because that's just a, uh, something you look at and your body's going to tell you whether it works or not. The the biggest thing is going to be the personality, the, the actual person themselves. How do they like to be talked to? How do they like to be coached? Are they someone who likes uh, more of a masculine approach of like, here's sets and reps, go do it. Or is it more of like a, a take a step back approach where it's like, all right, if you feel okay, let's go for it today. If not, maybe we'll pull back just a little bit because there's types of individuals who just, if they fail, they fail and, and like they're done for the day. And then there's some people who are like, you don't want to put them in a position to fail, right? Like there's some individuals that I've worked with. If they fail, it's it, the work, rest of the workout is going to be shit. I'm not going to put you in a position to fail. There's some people they need, they need a, a number to hit. They need something that's, I need this at this weight. You tell me what to do. I'm just going to walk in, do it done. Boom. So that's for me, that's always been a huge piece that I've had to look into is like, okay, cool. I appreciate the programming side of things as a coach, but you have to learn what, how this person is and what they react to. Because the, the, again, as a coach, you have to create buy-in. That's the, that's the biggest thing. You have to get someone to trust you because if you don't, it doesn't matter. And the one thing that I, I've worked on early on, especially in a lot of these situations, like having some of these higher level athletes, if you want to call them that, is, is making sure that they know no matter what, I'm there to help them create the best environment for them possible. And I take suggestions. May not, they may not know exactly how to word what they're feeling, but it's my job as a coach for them to come to me and be like, Hey, I want to do a little bit more, or I don't want to do a little bit more. And it's like, okay, well, like, can I explain to you what that means? If we do a little bit more, can I explain to you what that means? If we take a step back and then, and then you decide, like give them educated guesses, but let them make their own decisions. Even with like Ian, for example, Ian's someone who's very opinionated, very to the point, but he's someone I've had from the beginning. Uh, we've, we've basically like, he tells me when he hates it. He tells me when he doesn't like it, but I'm like, all right. And I, and I check myself too. Cause I, again, this is where the ego comes in. If he's like, I don't like this. And I'm like, oh, well too bad. Do it. How does that work? I do that sometimes when it's necessary, but there's a lot of times where I'm like, okay, well we can do something else if you don't like this. And we've had a couple of good laughs, like through some of the sessions, because I, 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 I try different stuff with him and he doesn't like it. Or he's like, what is the fucking point of this? Why am I doing this? And I'm like, eh, you're right. We can do something more simple if you want. And for me, he keeps me on my toes because I'm always pushing him and he's always pushing me and it's, it's good back and forth. But it's one of those things where, like I said, when, when you're pursuing a deeper understanding, it, you have to, you have to go deeper than just like the exercises. Because for me, at the end of the day, the exercises are like the cherry on top. And if, if, if that's who cares if it's there or not, and being honest, there's a lot of things you can do inside of fitness, like general perspective. We're just talking about any human being. Uh, you could get someone to shovel for 13, 13 hours a day and they'll get somewhat fit. You know what I mean? It's more about the, 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 the pillar of movement than it is anything else. And then you build off of that for sports performance.
Yeah, I think that, that's my biggest takeaway from what you're telling me right now. And just from my personal experiences, the mobility aspects of it, the standards, you know, we don't necessarily look at that. It's just like, oh, how much can I move or how yeah. fast am I or, you know, how long can I hold out? It's not necessarily, you know, all this diversity in that blending of strength and conditioning, particularly like in a sport of MMA. But where, where are you? think that the athletes need to be in terms of that blend of power, endurance, and technique? Is there some way that you try to, to weight that? Uh, I try to, th the basics are always going to help someone. And, and from what I've seen, a lot of MMA people are very bad athletes. They're very good fighters, but they're very bad athletes. I've been lucky to have some of the better athletes, I, better athletes I've seen. Ian's one of the best athletes I've seen. Ariani is a very good athlete. Amanda is a very good athlete. And what I mean by athlete is take them out of fighting and do they move well? Because I've seen people who are out of fighting and I'm like, wait, you're, you're a professional athlete. And then you see them in the ring and it's like complete opposite. It's almost like it's confusing sometimes because I've seen some people who get in the, the octagon and their footwork is beautiful. They're, they're moving, they're flowing, they're bobbing and weaving. Then you get them on a gym floor and, and you'll stand on one leg and they're like, uh, 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 and I'm like, Oh, like what, what am I looking at? You know what I mean? So for me, it's always a, a form of like, can they do the basics? Well, cause, cause if they can do the basics, well, then we're always going to have something to come back to. And when we have basics and we can start to slowly build that baseline up, we're only going to be able to, our top line's only going to get better as we get better. So for me, Athletes always need to be working on like the six year round, always working on basic aerobic capacity, nasal breathing, sustainability. That's the biggest thing. And I think we've seen this time and time again with, with especially fighters. It's a very, very short career. Most of the time, I don't know what the number is on average of years in the UFC, but it's gotta be less than three. Right? When you look at people who come in, the idea of, of a career is a long career and, and, and a effective and long career. So with that, you need to be sustainable the rest of the year. So that means when it's time to rest, it's time to rest. When it's time to pick it up, it's time to pick it up. When it's time to go, it's time to go. But the, the issue is having someone who understands that because being honest, I think that strength conditioning is, is the single most important thing you can do. And I'm not just saying that because I do that. I was having this conversation with Ian a couple of weeks ago. It's like, you can get any coach in the world for what you want. You know what I mean? Like if you need a striking coach, there's a lot of them. If you, if, if you want a jujitsu coach, you can go to wherever you want to get the jujitsu coach. But like the strength conditioning is one of those things that if you do that year round and you get that right, that is the X factor, right? That is the one thing that, that, because at the highest level, be honest, everybody in the UFC who's top 10 is very highly skilled at whatever it is that they do. There's not room for, that much room for improvement on the terms of skill besides these little details. It's these little, okay, maybe if I pause for a little bit more, maybe if I throw this combination, it might look a little bit better. But the one thing is who can do it longer, who can do it faster, who can be more explosive. And, and these things all start with the body and they start with who's the guy prescribing it. Who's the guy you're turning to for the information? Who's the guy that's, are they continuing to learn? Are they looking at methods and, and theories and new things and testing them? And for me, you know, if you have an S and Z coach that, that can do that and has that understanding, like you're, you're years ahead and then your years, your career is going to last that much longer, which means that much more money, which means that much more, more success. 
So for me, it's hit the nail on the head with that one and take care of that early and find someone you can trust and build a relationship with. And then everything else will take care of itself because you're never going to have to second guess. You're never going to have to worry about, you know, am I going to be healthy? You know, cause I told you in this conversation the other day is it for me, if, if he, you know, did whatever and just worked with me up to the fight, he, he could still do it. You know what I mean? Like it has nothing to do with, you know, the coaches obviously help with, with the specific game plan and whatnot, but being in shape for a fight is, is the most important thing. No, no, no. I mean, and I agree with you 100%. If you think about some of like the all time greats and where they made the biggest uptake, like a BJ Penn and, mm -hmm. you know, when they made that transition to finding the right strength and conditioning coach that wasn't just, Hey, heavy weights, or it's not, Hey, just burning yourself out. It's that finding that balance and that, that actual, uh, tailored approach which it sounds like you're 100 attacking and i saw that real time i was at uh, ufc 292 in boston and when yeah. ian was going going up against neil i mean i mean neil's just known for being someone who can go the whole entire time and push you to that distance and both big guys i mean for the weight class too so seeing how he had that sustained uh not just the endurance, but the strength and the precision. I mean, that, if anything, is an endorsement for you right there. No, and I think, you know, like I said, I think Ian's someone who is, you know, and I, I'm not going to lie. I've been blessed with some of the people that, like, I've worked with. You know what I mean? They're very high. Like, you know, they're some of the best you're going to see. Amanda, obviously, like, they, you know, I, I feel what I do is good, but they also make me look good, you know? And I think that's it's a beautiful blend because I think that those guys on any given night, are the highest skilled at what they do, right? Amanda, obviously the best ever. Ian is going to be one of the best, if not the best. He's, he's still young. He's still got a lot of time left and there's a lot to accomplish, which he's, this year is going to be the first of it. And Ariane, well, she, she's had a career resurgence, right? I've worked with her the last three fights. And, you know, it, and I think a lot of it comes down to just being physically prepared, right? Like being healthy, not second guessing your body, not waking up and being like, what can I do today? It's more about, all right, I can go train today. Like what, when am I gonna have to stop myself is the question, right? And that's when you start to get leaps and bounds and years. And, you know, and this is where you step into the ring and you see a performance like Ariane against Casey O'Neill, where Ariane has been an underdog in her last three fights and she's outperformed every single one. And especially with this last one was, you know, getting her into the top 15, into that top 12 by beating Casey O'Neill, like one of the best performances I've seen from her to date with Ian. Same thing. Every single performance we've had with Ian is boom, 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 boom. And especially this last year is when, you know, you saw him take that jump from, you know, Keenan Song to Daniel Rodriguez to Neil Magny now to Jeff Neal. And then it's going to be hopefully, you know, who knows the last couple of years or the last couple of fights of this year. And then Amanda, of course, you know, she, she, she paid the consequences of not take, or not being able to fully trust her body and the camp before. She fought Juliana the first time and then she saw the benefits of, of what it did after, you know? So I think that in that aspect, it's, it's when, when these guys are a hundred percent and they can literally, the last thing they have to think about is, is my body going to be able to do it? Then you see the type of performances that they can put on. Yeah. I remember that was like one of the biggest things that when, uh, when Amanda lost to Juliana, that was like, everyone just was like, she looks tired. Like she looks burnt out. And whether that was the camp leading up to it or overall mindset leading into it, there was definitely a, a turnaround 
100% versus where she was then and how she came back. And yeah, I think uh, Ariani, I mean, that's Casey's, she's a savage and how mm -hmm. she was able to pull that off. And I'm sure everyone in her camp saw it coming, but a lot of people outside of it had her as an underdog there. So kudos to you, man, and being able to pull that off. As someone who's kind of grown so much over the course of a decade, what advice would you give to these other uh, aspiring trainers and strength and conditioning coaches in the MMA world? Are there any specific skills or experiences that you deem essential for success in this field? Yeah, I think like, like, I think going back to the beginning of the, like our talk, work with people, work with normal people, like get as many sessions as possible under your belt. And when you get them, treat them like they're your Amanda and your Ian and your Ariani. Because I, I tell, I've told people this for years. Like I've been, I've been like working out, I guess we'll say for a long time. And I've been training for a lot, like almost 10 years now. And as a coach, it's been, it's just about eight years and I'm just starting to see some like success and having people like yourself ask me to come on and talk and being able to have a platform and people to talk to and people who are actually interested in what I'm doing. And for me, that didn't, that started in 2017 when I opened my first gym that started in 2013 when I was like, all right, I want to lose weight. And like, for me, if, if, if you don't do that, then I, I get so many people who are, they just want to rush to this point. And I did too. I wasn't sitting there. Oh, I, you know, well, actually I should say, I didn't initially want to train athletes when I first started becoming a coach. Cause I was like, there's too much baggage. There's too much shit. I don't, I don't want to deal with blah, blah, blah. They're not, it's not it easy. Like ended up coming to me, but, um, but yeah, so I, I would say, you know, find yourself in a position where you have to learn, like get on the floor is another thing, like be in front of people. I think that another thing people see right now, especially in this, in this training market is like online training. And I was, I, I'm forced isn't the right word, but Ian brought me on full time. So the only other way I can work with somebody else is like through online. So I've developed an online training platform and whatnot, but my, my preference is always to be there with somebody like go get in front of people, make mistakes, communicate. Because again, if we go back to the conversation we had before, the programming is the least of your worries, to be honest, you can get better at that as you go. But if you can't talk to people, if you can't sell people, if you can't understand someone's personality, if you can't understand when to push and pull on somebody, you're never going to find success anyways, because being a trainer is essentially 95%. I guess you could call it therapist type work, where it's just like, you're, you're learning about somebody you're, you're, you know, going through the ins and outs of of who this person is, how they react in certain situations. And then the program is basically like the language you use to, to be like, here's what's wrong with you, or here's what we can improve, or here's how you can get better. And, and if you think of, if you think of it from less of like a reps and sets point of view early on, and more of a, of a, a like that type of thing where it's like, here's my language, here's what I'm speaking to this individual of like what I think, then it's because then it becomes, okay, well, if I want to say something to someone, I have to understand what I want to say first and, and what it is that I'm trying to describe. And there's a lot of good people and frameworks out there. I would find somebody who's doing what you're doing and learn. That's one of the biggest things I think that sped up this process for me was I invested in mentors. I've invested in a couple of courses and people that I felt were, were some of the best. And even to help myself have this conversation today, there's been, I don't even know how much money I've spent on, on that stuff, but it's, it's a lot. 
even to this day, I have, you know, mentors that I work with, uh, you know, like like a coach, coach mentor, and then a business mentor as well that I'm in, you know, those are, those are things and places I invest in. And, and I'd say that, you know, I think the biggest thing is don't try to just jump to the, to the aspect of, I want to get to the end quickly because it's going to come for me being from Albany, it's not a bad place, but it just, it didn't have what I, I was looking for at that point. When I first opened my gym, I had a business partner and we, we kind of were starting to separate. Cause I was like, all right, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And he just wanted to stay here. So when I left the gym, cause it's still open, the gym was, it was a good gym. We were getting to the, getting to be successful. It was only like three years. And, and then I had left like the gym still open till today. Uh, I don't know the ins and outs obviously, but like, it, it's one of those things where for me, I saw that I wanted to do more and more and more and more, but I, there was times when I rushed, there was times when I was impatient. There was times when I was ungrateful for the situations I was in, but in the same breath, I, I had to make moves. I moved to Nashville for a little bit. Then I moved to Florida. And when I moved down to Florida for the opportunity that, cause I worked with uh, this guy, Phil DeRue, who's one of the bigger MMA coaches in the world. He had asked me to come down to Florida to work at his gym. And from there is, that was my big opportunity. But when I got there, I was, I was so ready for it that I just went right up and I, and anybody, I, I worked with some people that turned into some other people that turned into some other people. And then it led to what I'm doing now, but I was ready for it. You know what I mean? Cause I had eight years of experience in my belt and, and for other people who are coming in, expecting things or being like, oh, well I went to school. I know I have all this knowledge. I should just get what I want. It's very rare that that ever gets you to a spot that you can achieve. I'm not going to say achieve what you want, but it's, it's obviously relationships, it's networking. And then it's, you know, being able to truly understand that stuff. And that starts to kind of wrap this up. That starts at those first clients, those first people who maybe aren't Amanda's maybe aren't like these great athletes. And I trust you with my health and fitness. Like that's where it starts. And if you can understand that, right. As a young coach and be like, all right, I have people who trust me right now. And you can wake up and, and be like, all right, this is my key. This is my ticket to truly what I want to do. Then it's going to, it's going to come to you. It's just a matter of doing it consistently. And then that's the last thing is you have to do it, right? You have to do it for as long as you fucking can and suffer for as long as you can and struggle for as long as you can. Cause eventually it starts to pay off. I'm a big believer. If if it's meant to be, it's going to happen as long as you just don't stop doing it. If you give up, obviously it's not going to happen, but if you truly believe it, like you'll, it's just, if you, I guess it's simple. Like if you don't stop, it's going to work out eventually. You know what I mean? You just have to continue to like, how, how long can you hold off and put yourself in a position to wait for it? Cause it's going to come, you know, at some point or another. Yeah, man, it's all about that grind. And uh, it's super illuminating. This is you know, a super illuminating discussion. I grew up not too far from Albany in Western Massachusetts. I have a few friends okay, that cool, live cool. there. And just to see how you've come from that and to where you're at now working with some of the biggest people in the world and athletics wise. And for me, MMA is the fastest growing sport in the world. It's super impressive, man. And really looking forward to getting this in front of some people. If people want to engage with you or bring you on as a trainer, who, how can they find you? What's the best ways to get in contact with you? Yeah, I think best way right now is, uh, Instagram. Uh, it's, it's, uh, at BG perform underscore for Instagram. And then my website is mm-hmm. BG perform coaching.com. 
I have some stuff on there, but if you just reach out with a message, uh, you know, if you have any questions or anything like that, I'm, I'm always going to answer. And I have my link tree and everything like that, that has, um, you know, all the information on there. I also have my, my group on Instagram, BG perform, learn and grow. That's something I really want to step into as well this year is, is sharing things for just learning and, and literally growing, like finding information, finding books, finding podcasts, finding people that are interesting, having interesting conversations. Like for me, that's a big thing as a coach is, is putting myself in places and situations where I can, you know, learn every single day. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest things that I've, I've done is put myself in front of information, but then found ways to use information. So like for me, I don't want to become like an information hoarder, which I think a lot of people do is like, they just information, 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 they can regurgitate some stuff, but it's like, you know, uh, I read, I read this book every day and it's called, uh, the daily stoic. I don't know if you ever Oh yeah, yeah. Well, earlier too, I almost said yeah. ego is the enemy. I was just telling someone about it yesterday. So it's funny you brought it up. Yeah. Um, and one of the biggest takeaways from that book that, uh, it was actually recent, I think it was in the last month was like taking time to create your own wisdom. Like mm. at, we read mm. all these books, we, we read all this information, we take in all this shit on a daily basis, but we never take time to like create our own version of that. So like one of the things that I've, I've implemented into the new year is like giving myself time for that. Like just literally like block out an hour, you know, a couple of times a week and just, you know, vomit word vomit, like the stuff that you've done into like your own theories, your own concepts, because I think becoming a coach relies on principles and it relies on like, what do you do well every single day? What do your, what does your business do well every single day? And, and what are you, what are your beliefs built on? Because I think what happens a lot of times in today's world is coaches, there's so many, like there's so many methods, there's so many theories and things that come out that people just like almost hop. They're like, okay, well, I'm a West side guy. I'm a condensed conjugate guy. I'm a, you know, FMS guy, whatever you want to call it. And I think that when you, when you build yourself off of other methods, there's nothing underneath you. So then you have nowhere to grow. And I think, I think the way I describe it is like, imagine you have an Island, right? Like in your eye or your home, like you live at a home and like, you always know where you're coming back to. Like your home is where you come back to, but it's like on a daily basis, you go out, you learn something, you bring it back, you go home, you bring it back, you go out, you bring it back. And like everything gets kind of brought into your home. And then you can start to figure out, okay, well, like, you know, I believe someone and to make it general, I believe someone needs to squat on a daily basis. It's like, okay, cool. And it's like, all right, well, what, what type of methods are out there that kind of explain that? And then you, you, you take and you refine, you take, you refine, take, refine, and then eventually you develop a BG perform method. Right. But it's based off of the principles and things that I've learned from my own training, from losing my own weight, training myself, developing myself. And then that kind of creates like one of these so-called methods. But I think that when you don't under, when you, when you learn methods, it's very hard to progress because methods are are built off of principles. And if you don't have principles, you have nowhere to kind of like go after. It's like, okay, well, like my method didn't work now and I don't have any principles. It's like, so what do I do now? And it's like, okay, there's pieces that I've like, I've been around so many great coaches and learned from so many great coaches. Right. And I've seen so much success in the field that it's like, okay, that's really cool. But what are the pieces that I like? Right. And there's pieces that I've taken from so much stuff to develop what I do. Right. And, and to create the program that I create and get in front of some of these people. Right. And, and be able to have the confidence. I, I remember the first session I had with Amanda, I was like, uh, 
what do I? Do? <laughs> I was just like, then I was like, yeah. wait a second. I was like, wait a second. I did this. Like, this is why I'm here. There's a reason why I'm in front of her. Right. This isn't luck. This isn't like whatever. Like, there's a reason why I'm in front of her. And from that point on, I just went into my bag and did everything that you know was was what I've worked on. So I think that like developing principles, and that's kind of what this my next thing here is that I want to try to do is like help people develop principles, right? It's like help them understand that like, you know, workouts are great. Nutrition is great. Psychology is great, but like you have to have a time to take a step back and actually like create your own theory and principles around this stuff. And that's when you actually start to succeed. If you just regurgitate other people's words and you're not understanding of where it's coming from or why it's coming from that perspective, then you're, again, you're just lost and, and you're not going to actually get the benefit of what you're trying to talk about. So. Yeah, man, you nailed it. And uh, really looking forward to putting this out. You dropped a lot of gems today. I'm actually taking a lot from it as well. And I'll make sure to link to everything in the in the descriptions for Spotify and YouTube and all cool. that. So Brandon Gallagher, thanks for being here today, man. Really looking forward to it. I appreciate and, uh, looking this. Forward awesome. to seeing how, it was awesome for me too. And looking forward to seeing the athletes deliver on everything, all that work you're doing with them. February 17th. Ian's back. Now yeah, I got some I'm other planners uh, coming soon. We'll see. Nice. Yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah. I'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you.